0: Even as a Buddhist monk, there are things I really appreciate about Christmas. And one thing is Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm actually a believer in Santa Claus. Do you believe in Santa? <laughs> so obviously I don't mean it quite literally. But I see uh, the Santa as a symbol. It doesn't have to be a Christian. Uh, would work for any religion. Because what is Santa's job? What is he doing? What's his whole function and purpose? Yes, <laughs> uh-huh. Ah, yeah. exactly, to practice generosity. His job is to uh, travel the whole world in a sleigh with a reindeer and to make sure that all the kids are getting their gifts. And I think. Uh, Adults? Does he actually give to adults as <laughs> well? If they still believe in him, okay. <laughs> Must be a tough job, particularly with a reindeer sleigh in Queensland in the tropical heat. They <laughs> can fly. Uh his reindeer can actually fly. But, but it may be still a bit hot for them. He's also not really very dressed for a Queensland climate, <laughs> with a big fur coat. And most houses chimneys, right? no. <laughs> <laughs> That's another issue, yeah, I agree. Mm. So, but with all these problems, uh, the heat, and he has got a sleigh for a tropical climate, and there's no chimneys. Have you ever seen him grumpy, angry? Is Santa Claus a typical old, grumpy, angry man? Or what does he look like? Jovial, joyful, happy. And that is not surprising because the result of generosity, of giving, is happiness. The Buddha said that punya, which is good karma, uh, the Pali word for good karma is punya, and sukha, happiness, are basically synonyms. So If we want to be happy, what we have to practice is punya, good karma. And then over time, the happiness will come as a natural result. And In this sense, I'm a believer in Santa. I see him as a symbol for the results of giving, of generosity. I remember when I was uh, young as a student, I didn't do it myself, but quite a few uh, students would actually get themselves hired for Christmas and they would play the center. Now the parents would arrange that beforehand and give give him the gifts and then the dressed up student would arrive and make the presents to the little little kids. And usually people find that uh, very enjoyable. Acting as center is already good fun. And even if you're not giving gifts which you have bought yourself, you just passing on the gifts which the parents have arranged. even that is enough to make us happy. And I think that's another good symbol, another symbolism, another metaphor, because even if we don't give ourselves, but if we rejoice in the generosity of others, if we participate through mudita, through sympathetic joy, we approve and we are happy and we encourage that others are doing generosity, then we will also receive the reward of happiness. Just like the hired student who is dressed up as Santa, we'll have the happiness of giving, although it's not even his own gifts. And once we have a symbol of goodness and giving and generosity, and it brings out that quality in all kinds of people. I only learned this year, just recently I learned that uh, the town where I was born in in Germany, Hildesheim, which is south of Hanover, has got a suburb which is called Himmelstür. I actually can't even remember that, when I was young I can remember the name resonates. And uh, in English the literal meaning is uh, Heaven's Gate. So this suburb is called Heaven's Gate. And at some stage the post office in that suburb started receiving letters to Santa and little kids were sending all kinds of uh, comments and ideas and requests to Santa. And what is quite touching is know, that the post office know, took it on to themselves uh, not to buy everything they are asking for, but at least know, to answer all these letters. And uh, there can be uh, several hundred thousand coming in, in one year. So they have a whole team, a team of volunteers who are answering the the little letters from the kids. It's quite touching, I find, very kind. And at some stage, German post was privatized. After it was privatized, they were restructuring and they found that the post office there is actually not uh, profitable. So it was closed down, but they still managed to uh, maintain it for that purpose. So you can still write your letter to Santa at uh, Heaven's Gate, a little suburb and people will answer it. So if you want to experience happiness, if you want to smile all over our face, even if you have to work in Queensland heat, or have any difficulties in still remaining happy, what we have to do is making punya. And the easiest way of making punya is by giving and sharing and helping others. And there's something special about the gift of food. In our society of affluence and surplus, We often forget about the importance, if we take it for granted that the supermarkets are full and that the fridge is full. And if we are hungry we just go into the pantry or the fridge and we eat. But there are still multi-multi-millions of people on this earth where that is not the case. They may be hungry and there is nothing, they cannot just grab any food. So it's good to also keep that in mind and to uh, practice uh, an appreciation for the fact uh, that we always have enough food to eat. I remember when I stayed in uh, Sri Lanka as an uh, aid preceptor in a place near Kandy. Uh, the senior monk was a well-known uh, scholar and also a meditation monk. Highly respected in Sri Lanka and and he was very encouraging for me to ordain. And that one day he wanted to have a look at my hand to read my palm. So I got quite excited and he was looking for quite a while into my palm. And I was wondering, what is he going to say? Hopefully he would be saying something like, "Oh, your palm shows that you are a very wise person. Or maybe your palm shows that you will uh, attain and realize the Dhamma, you have good Samadhi or something like that. I was hoping for that. But the only thing he said in the end was, you will always have enough to eat. (laughs) 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 And and I felt a little bit disappointed because I also come from a society of surplus and it had been correct actually in my whole life. I was always uh, pampered in that respect. And I think it's even it's still true today, isn't it? Have you seen the buffet? <laughs> this is quite common with this amazing generosity when we look at the buffet and we have something like that almost every day. So it looks like he was quite good in palmistry so far his prediction was correct. But I was lacking the appreciation for that fact. But as we chant, ayudo balado Diro vanna do patibana do, sukhasadatta medhavi sokangso atigacchati. Ayudo is someone who's giving life. Balado is someone who's giving strength. The devo is a wise person because a wise person, a knowledgeable person, they will always practice generosity. Vanna do, Vanna means the beauty in that context. And Patibana do, Patibana means the inspiration and the intelligence, creativity. Sokasadata medhavi sokangso atigachati. The someone who is wisely providing happiness to others, they will encounter happiness themselves in the future as a karmic result. And the Buddha would recite that himself as Anamodhana when he was invited for a food offering. Because the food is a very condition for our body to exist. None of the things which we just mentioned, whether it's life or strength or beauty or intelligence, creativity, inspiration or happiness, is possible without food. The moment when we starve and the body starts getting sick and weak, all these things would be lost. But that also means you know, by the simple act of giving food, we are giving you know, these things. We give life, strength, beauty, you know, intelligence, creativity and happiness. And the Buddha simply points out in his Anamotana that the law of karma means that whenever we provide these things, that is exactly you know, what will come back to us. And how do we make good karma? We can offer food, we can also offer our time, we can offer our skills, our abilities. I think one thing we should keep in mind also today, and actually being on the podcast here, that people can tune in anywhere in the world and also on the video, We are extremely lucky here in Queensland that we have virtually no restrictions, and very light. But there are many people who would love to meet and see their close relatives and friends and who can't do it because they are in lockdown. So just a shout out to everyone who is in lockdown. Just my uh, blessings that uh, the lockdown will soon end and that the virus will be able to be controlled and best wishes, and encouragement, and our thoughts are with everyone who is being stuck in lockdown right now. So one good way of making good karma is simply giving time. Because as I mentioned, we have a society of affluence and food. Often people have too much. and Most people, they eat too much and are overweight. Not all, but many. But what is very scarce in our time and age is actually time. People are so busy with their job, with their social obligations. They are so busy in updating their various social medias that they don't really have time for other human beings, for personal interaction. And maybe using this opportunity for me to encourage everyone to practice generosity by simply offering one's time, an elderly relative in a nursing home or in a hospital. And they may not be as exciting as hanging out with our peer group, people of our own age. They may be a little bit more boring and they tell the same story many times. But it's a great gift of going there and just happily listening to what they have to say and getting in the conversation. It doesn't have to be, the generosity doesn't have to be in some super sacrifice, sacrificing even one's life for others, it can be an accumulation of these small acts of goodness. One thing I always appreciated about the teaching of the Buddha is that he invites us to investigate. It's not something that it just gets rammed down our throat. You have to believe that. But the Buddha encourages and points out that everything he's teaching and is open for investigation. This is why I actually consider Buddhism a science. Sometimes people ask, is Buddhism uh, religion this is a philosophy it has aspects of all of that. But to me it has now, the classic hallmarks of science. Because what is the hallmark of science that uh, the results can be properly uh, reproduced? In science, no, you do an experiment, say, in the lab, according to the theory you have to develop. And if the results now, are in agreement with the theory and you predicted them correctly, what will other researchers do? Will they immediately believe you? Or does science work? If someone is publishing some breakthrough, a cure for cancer, a cure for this or whatever, do the other scientists just believe it? Yeah, no, they will research. Now. Those who have the, uh, the laboratory and the technical means not to set up the same experiment, they will just repeated. You know, they get you know, the paper where that is all described, and then they set up exactly the same parameters, and when they find that their experiment is yielding exactly the result according to this theory, will they believe it then, you know, and they will not even just believe it, no, by then they know. And if a couple are doing that, no, then it has been proved, it's proven. It's no longer just a matter of belief. No, but if several recognized, capable researchers and labs never no, have the same result coming out there, then it's usually no longer a matter of belief, it's considered proved. And this is exactly you know, the approach of the Dhamma. You know, the Buddha you know, had developed a theory at that stage, a hypothesis, that there is an end of suffering, that it is possible to reach you know, the end of death, that it is possible to realize and attain you know, the deathless, also known as Nibbana. And they had a means of getting there, namely the Eightfold Path and in particular the effects of samadhi as a supporting factor to develop wisdom and insight. And then under the Bodhi Tree this experiment ended up being extremely successful. And then when the Buddha later started sharing his insight with others, he was not sharing a belief. He was not sharing a theory or a hypothesis. And he was sharing a proven scientific method which has been proved to lead to a particular result. So we only need a certain amount of faith to get started and then we can see whether any results are coming in. And By now it has been proved numerous times all over because after the Buddha there were countless human beings who have attained freedom from suffering, who have attained the end of death, the deathless element. Of course, no one needs a little bit of faith in the beginning, just like the researchers, now if someone suddenly claims that they have disproved the theory of relativity, which happens quite a bit, now there's always people who still work on that and fear that they have found a fault in this all, not true. But if that person maybe doesn't have any qualifications, they're not a professor, They don't have a PhD in physics and they may be just a high school dropout. It's unlikely that competent researchers will have enough faith in that hypothesis not to even check it out. But if someone is peer reviewed, published in a well known, high reputation scientific magazine or journal, then there's usually enough initial faith that one puts in the effort to try out the experiment. And of course, I think the Buddha had sufficient general reputation having given up the whole kingdom as a crown prince and the son of a king and having so many of the most powerful kings, billionaires, Brahmins, and countless other people as his disciple and many spiritual teachers who were famous on their own becoming his disciples. So I think that should give us enough faith to at least try out the experiment. Of course the experiment to fully realize freedom from suffering and the end of death. This is a really big one. It's just like when they have these particle accelerators and it's not so easy to replicate that because you need gigantic machines. So similar to fully realize the end of suffering and death that is a practice which may even extend over several lives But we can start with something simple The Buddha said good karma, punya is equivalent to happiness And we just talked that one very simple way of making good karma is sharing food So this can be Taking as an experiment. Give it a try and check out how you feel. I don't often get the chance to try that out because I tend to be on the receiving end when it comes to food. Now our words prohibit us from even cooking and storing food and so on. But fortunately we have the neighbor's horses. Have you seen our horses? This is actually still our property there behind the fence up to the road basically. And the horses you see are from that neighbor. the next house along like Manchester Road. And they're actually therapy horses. So they work with uh, I think particularly teenagers who may have special needs or who may have got into trouble and difficult situations. And apparently it's very therapeutic to interact with horses. They're also very friendly. So if I sometimes have a little bit of maybe a little down or whatever. I don't do retail therapy. Because it is also not really open for Buddhist monks. I don't have money. Occasionally when I travel uh, in airports, I have to walk to the duty-free and everything. But no, retail therapy without money doesn't work very well. Because <laughs> you can only look, you can't buy anything. But retail therapy doesn't really work anyhow. Have you ever tried that? Being down and curing it by retail therapy, buying a chunk of stuff And It may feel good for a moment, but if we take that now like a scientific experiment, does it really work? Can we really get happy by buying all this stuff? Only if we give it away. Only if we give it away later, yes. Yes, I agree. That that may work. There was actually a study on that. Does money make happy? And the result of that study was uh, actually yes if you spend it on others. Because there was a study where uh, people were getting bonus at the end of the year and then they were kind of somehow measuring the happiness they experienced from that. And they found that the happiness they experienced did not correlate very well at all with the amount of the bonus. It's not, it's not like the ones who got 100,000 bonus were 10 times as happy as those who got 10,000 bonus. It wasn't like that at all. But what they found, what correlated is how they used the money they got. And the correlation was that those who spend it on generosity, who spend it on others, quite invariably reported higher happiness than those who spend it on themselves. They are all open for investigation. Check out how retail therapy affects you when the credit card bill comes a month later. <laughs> and whether this is real happiness. So I prefer uh, horse therapy and I grab some carrots which some kind people sometimes leave behind here in the fridge. And then I go out and I just feed them some carrots. And uh, once when we went out, we had to buy something in in the supermarket and uh, Gabby was buying it. But I was uh, joining because I had to do something as well, a medical appointment. And I noticed that this one kilo bag of carrots, I think only, it was either one dollar or two on special. And I'm just intrigued uh, how happy you can make half a dozen of these big creatures <laughs> for one dollar or maybe two dollars, I can't remember. It's absolutely intriguing because I really like carrots. <laughs> and uh, you see, for one, dollars, $1, there's so much happiness. And quite invariably when I do that, after 10 minutes feeding carrots to the horses, now I feel noticeably more happy. So if you have any doubts on the teaching of the Buddha, that punya is happiness, and that giving food is a good form of punya, of good karma, then we can just experiment and try it out. The other thing I like about Santa is the wish list. Because you know, the idea is that the kids are writing the list of all their wishes for Xmas. Have you written your list to Santa? Do you have a list of wishes? Hmm. Because that is, for me, not center clause, but center karma. Because if you make lots of good karma, your wishes will become true. Good karma acts like center. When you generate punya, good karma, and you start accumulating that, accumulating that, then it's literally like center You just write what you want. You will come to anything what you wish for. All the good stuff. Being rich, being famous, being attractive, being uh, appreciated, being admired, being loved, being liked, being intelligent, uh, being knowledgeable. You can have it all. Some people look a little bit, Doubtful? <laughs> no, seriously, you can have it all. You need only two things to get anything you want. One is good karma, and the second is the intention, the aspiration. And if both are there, then it will at some stage you know, become reality. So rather than writing a, a little letter to this German suburb, Heaven's Gate, I would recommend to uh, make lots of good karma, and then very important to form a resolution. And uh, Santa has, in my mind, a good symbol for that. Because if you were a bad girl or a bad boy all year long, will Santa bring you your gifts? No, no, it's only for the good boys and good girls. This is similar with karma. You may be wishing, may I get this dream job, may I get the dream partner, may I get the dream house, and and so on. Do you usually get it all? Uh Ah, why not? Not enough good karma, (laughs) not enough good karma as it will come too. So we have to make a dedicated effort to generate heaps and heaps of good karma. And then it's just literally like that. You just have to write the wish list. You just have to form that intention, that aspiration. And it will come true. However, then my recommendation is if you're Write your wish list or center karma, do it with wisdom. similar like spending our money with wisdom, because it's two things, no? how much money you have and how you spend it. And some people no, may have quite good ideas on what they want to do with money but the money may be lacking. Other people may have the money, but when you look at them, you think, oh gosh, how can they spend it so uselessly, so wastefully, maybe just say into into drugs and alcohol and things like that, and then you feel, oh gosh, what a waste. Now, how would you feel if you know someone who inherits a few millions from their grandparents or something? And then they go out partying and after a year of partying, the money is all gone. You would say quite a waste. No? So it's similar with our karma. If we have lots of good karma, then we will have a very strong desire and if we want to be really rich. we will come true. Maybe only next life. But it will certainly come true at some stage. But is that really a wise wish? Look at very rich people. Now, are they really happy? So, what I like to encourage when you contemplate your wish list to center Karma, what is really important? Because ne, usually our karma is also limited, our good karma. And this is why it's so important ne, that we channel whatever good karma we have in the right direction. And just like, I think, probably, do we have any billionaires here? No, no. So most of you probably have a very limited supply of money. So you probably plan quite carefully how you spend your money, ne? Because money is limited and maybe if you work hard and you save a lot you can maybe afford a Ferrari but then you have probably difficulties in having a nice house at the same time. Or if you afford the nice house and you may not be able to afford the dream cruise although probably not many people are going on cruises nowadays anyhow. So the important thing is to uh, uh, use the money we have in a more skillful way. But it's similar with our good karma. And this is why it's so important to actually have a wish list to center karma. Because subconsciously we always have wishes and desires. And subconsciously we usually all want to be uh, attractive, wealthy, Uh, liked at least, if not famous. And that means if you're not forming deliberate conscious resolutions, then the good karma will just go with our subconscious desires. And that can be a shame because ultimately it's not so important to have that much money. What would be the things on the wish list to send a karma of a wise person? Or would you want to spend your good karma? What, you would, what would you want to get in the next life? Maybe some Lego? Lego? Okay. I'm amazed that it's still around. When I was your age, I was also playing with Legos at had a whole huge, huge box. So if you get born next time, hopefully you have lots of Legos. But is there maybe something that is even more important next life than having lots of Lego? What could you imagine what is maybe more important? How about the parents? Would you be happy to be born as a child of grumpy and angry parents? <laughs> no, <I> mean, <laughs> so you would like to have probably very kind parents, kind and generous. Aha. Uh-huh. Would you be interested in being born as a child of stupid and foolish parents? Definitely not, yeah. You would prefer being born in a family where the parents are intelligent, smart, knowledgeable, wise. How about yourself? Would you prefer to be reborn with a low IQ or a high IQ? Probably high IQ, no? Rather rather being born smart, If you had a choice, to be born in a family with grumpy and foolish parents and yourself with low IQ, but heaps and heaps of Lego. (laughs) (laughs) Or to be born in a family where you have wise parents who are kind, with lots of loving-kindness, intelligent, and you're yourself a very intelligent person, but you never get a single Lego all your life. Which of the two would you choose? I choose um, the second one. The second, okay. You you get my point, eh? So we have to be careful what we put into our list to center. And what is really important is to be born in an environment where we have already the quality of virtue, and where our parents and friends and siblings develop the quality of virtue, so that we can live a virtuous life. It's important that we are born in a family where the parents are generous and that we have that quality of generosity in our heart that power me. It's important that we are in a family where the parents are calm and peaceful, where they have samatha, even samadhi, where they have mindfulness, energy, the faith, conviction, wisdom, insight, both the family and we ourselves. Now this is what a wise person would aspire to. And if there's not so much Lego and not so much money, and there's only seven followers for your Instagram, doesn't really matter much. These other things are more important. So we have to give attention to both. What exactly do we put onto the wish list for center karma? And secondly, making sure that there is enough punya and no papa, no bad karma. And then we will make good progress life after life. Okay, so for a few words about Santa as a symbol for generosity and as a symbol for the happiness we get from being generous. And secondly, Santa as a symbol for good karma. Because if we have lots of good karma, it just works like writing a wish list to Santa, and we will get it all if we were good boys or good girls. Whereas if we write a wish list to center and we messed up all year round, we were bad boys, bad girls, and we will not get our wish list fulfilled. And this is the same how karma operates. But if we generate good karma and we have a wish list, we will get it all. But be careful what you put on the wish list. Because good karma is precious and you want to use it and aspire to those things which are really important, which is generosity, the virtue, mindfulness, kindness, compassion, calmness, peace, wisdom, insight. So may you have that life after life until you attain the supreme security from bondage to